0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Before we get started, I want to acknowledge that this podcast was produced and hosted on the unceded ancestral and traditional lands of the Squamish, the Musqueam, and the tsleil First Nations. I, in particular, live on Squamish lands, and it's important for me to acknowledge the caretakers and the stewards of these lands from time immemorial. Hello everyone and welcome to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm your host Amy Amanti. My pronouns are she, her. Kevin Morris developed a love of writing and poetry at a very young age. He's been inspired by some of the classics, uh, the greats, uh, even the most well-known in this creative sphere. Kevin lives with blindness and is inspired by the things around him in his everyday life. And he finds that for him... The words often come really naturally and without needing to be overthought. He has many a published poem under his belt. So please, all the way from the UK, let's give Kevin Morris a big welcome.
0: My name is Kevin Morris. I live and work in London, but I'm originally from Liverpool. I'm registered blind and I'm a poet.
1: As stated, joining me on Accessing Art with Amy is Kevin Morris, all the way from the UK. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you really excited to have you on the program today. You know, the podcast is all about the intersection of art and disability. And so what is it about poetry, Kevin, that is so, I don't know, enticing? How did you get started in poetry?
0: I guess I got started by looking at Paul Graves' Golden Treasury and Arthur are uh, The Oxford Book of English Verse in the school. I was a bit of a precocious child.
1: So was there something particular about the genre that, that you know, I don't know, that drew you in for the first time?
0: I've always loved rhymes, I guess, going back to the times when I was hearing uh, nursery rhymes. And while I I greatly enjoy some free verse poetry, I guess, in the first instance, it was rhyming poetry that drew me in the sort of rhythm, for example, in Alfred Noyes, The High Woman.
1: And, like, I don't know, how 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 young were you when you started to, I don't know, experiment with rhymes and, and uh, you know, uh, free verse poetry?
0: I guess I started to read poetry when I was about nine or ten, but I started to write it seriously in about 2012, 2013
1: is there a specific I don't know genre I'm not I I, you know I've I've done a little bit of slam poetry and it's been an experimental thing for me I enjoy poetry very much but I don't seek it out I just enjoy it when I listen to it Um, so it sounds to me like it's the opposite for you right that you're you're actively looking for poetry engaging in poetry writing poetry so is there a specific genre that you enjoy most uh, in terms of listening and reading it and as well as writing it?
0: I am particularly fond of uh, rhyming poetry, particularly uh, traditionally uh, rhymed uh, poetry. But in terms of modern poets, someone like T.S. Eliot who wrote in both uh, a combination of free verse and in in rhyme, I'll I'll experiment and read and or listen to all genres of poetry, but I prefer traditional rhyming poetry. That doesn't mean that it has to be, have been written in the 19th century or earlier. It just means I, I prefer poetry that's written in that way on the whole.
1: Mm. I know you have a couple of poems to share with us today. So uh, why don't you tell us what this first poem is we're going to we're gonna listen to?
0: This first poem is called Time. And it came to me because I've got an old Ting tang clock which sits on the bookcase in my living room. Time, the reaper moves in time with the pendulum. No rush or fuss, he has plenty of time. My patient friend, whose clock portends my inevitable end. You rest in state on my bookcase. Tick-tock, I cannot stop, time sive, None can survive his cut. Though in a cupboard my clock be shut, death cannot be put aside. The sickle chops and the heart will one day stop.
1: Ooh, something in there, Kevin, that's really interesting, really evocative to me. And maybe it's a part of this idea that death is human experience that uh, that we will all have. It's like a um, something that connects us all as human beings. So it, inspired by the clock, but is there any deeper meaning in this poem for you particularly?
0: I guess because I've got a little bit of vision, uh, I can see the pendulum moving back and forth. And I still remember vividly there was a clock in one of the schools I attended hanging on the wall. And I used to stand there for quite some time, nobody intended. Uh, yeah. But being aware of this tick-tock and the pendulum moving backwards and forwards. And I think with a pendulum clock, you do have a sense of time passing, which you don't with digital devices and in the same way the pendulum chops seconds the reaper cuts down the corn he cuts us down ultimately the reaper being death who's a who often perceived I think as being synonymous with time
1: yeah and even i i mean i suppose if a person delved deeper into this idea of what's evocative about poetry because the idea for me of i can visualize the pendulum but i can also visualize um you know the the chopping of the reaper right and it's like these are like two tools um that kind of relate together in this poem so real uh, yes yeah it's real it's really really interesting to me that you've chosen this genre to talk about and i agree with you about this idea of digital time it's like it doesn't mean anything but when you hear the ticking of the clock you know that every tick is past tense yes um, you don't get it back uh exactly Oh, yeah, that's so interesting. Um, When you write a poem like this, Kevin, um, do the rhymes come to you naturally? Or do you have to do a little, I don't know, digging in the thesaurus or look for synonyms? Or I don't know, what's your process about trying to create the rhyming pieces of these poems?
0: I think most of the time the rhyme comes to me naturally, but I don't try and force the rhymes, for example, in that poem I've just read there's stop which doesn't exactly rhyme with clock but I don't think that ultimately matters there's no point in in enforcing a
1: yeah a rhyme. and it, when when you when you read it to me what I thought was interesting and and I hope our listeners caught this you had this micro pause right before you said the word stop like it yeah. was literally symbolic of the end of time, the stop. And it was really interesting to me because I was hanging on every word. And then when you hit stop, I thought, is that it? And it is, right? <laughs> it is. Um, so that was really, you know, a, a part of, I think if I were to have read it myself, um, I wouldn't have had that. I would have had to have read it a couple of times maybe to get that same sort of cadence in my own, like in my own head. But The way you share it is, again, like evocative is the only word I can think of because it conjures so many things in my brain. And that's what's exciting about poetry.
0: Absolutely. Yes. And I guess it's also about it's time stopping, but it's also the heart just ending. for us, time does uh, end. I mean, I'm personally agnostic, so uh, Mm. I don't know. There might be something there, but in this poem, type, you just stop. That's the end.
1: And the the relationship between the the ticking, the metronome movement of the clock and the beating of the heart. Mm. When you write a a piece of poetry like this, Kevin, is there something, I mean, do you, mm, how do I ask this question? I mean, I guess I'm wondering about whether you write it solely for yourself, because some folks who are writers and poets write for themselves and others write because they want to elicit a response in the reader or the listener what is that like for you? Is this, is this purely for yourself? And it's like, whatever the listener gets out of it, they get out of it. Or are you trying to impart a message that is beyond what's on the, on the page?
0: I guess it's a bit of both. I mean, I do obviously hope that the poem will mean something to someone. It's always great when I get comments. either in response to my books or my blog that it does mean something, but I suppose like a lot of writers I write for myself and in the back of my mind is the hope that if a poem means something to me, then it will hopefully mean something to my reader or listener.
1: Yeah. Can you share with us, because you, know, you, you told us earlier that you were registered blind. When you are reading this poem, is it from memory? Are you listening to a screen reader in your ear that we can't hear? Are you using Braille or large print?
0: I'm using Braille. I probably remember the poem, but. I always have a fear of my mind suddenly going blank. So I tend to have the, the braille copy in front of me just in case.
1: <laughs> I, to- I totally get that. Um, as an actor myself, I, I, you know, there's this, it's like a moment of stage fright and it doesn't, you don't have to be on a stage to experience, right? <laughs>
0: um,
1: you've got another poem that you want to share with us. So um, what are we going to listen to next, Kevin?
0: Thank you. This one's called Raining, and it literally came to me as I awoke one morning and I heard the rain beating on the windowpane in my bedroom. Raining. I awoke to the rain drumming on my windowpane, opening my lattice. I let it in the purifying water that washes away sin. The hypnotic sound of rain falling all around all my life. I have listened to the rain, the same drumming of water coming from the sky, falling on you and I. The rain has no end, but you and I, my friend, may listen for a while, smile, then pass on by.
1: Mm. Again, there's a, there's a metronome there. I, the the sound of the rain is a, almost a repetitive pattern. So it came to you one morning... You sprung out of bed and you could hear the rain on your windowsill. How long does it take you to write a poem like this?
0: It depends. My recollection of poem was written a good few years ago is that I got out of bed, grabbed a cup of tea or coffee and just sat down at my computer and wrote it more or less straight down, probably while the rain was still drumming (laughs) outside.
1: Uh, Was inspiring you the whole time you were writing then is what I'm hearing.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: Oh, uh, that's I mean it's super interesting to me. And and you know, these are nice, short, sort of digestible poems in terms of, you know, some poetry that is available out in the world, especially poetry that was written a couple hundred years ago. Not that it's not, you know, some poems today are quite long, um, almost written like um short stories. I remember The Lady of Schlot being a poem that I had experienced probably when I was in high school. And it was so very long. And that actual poem has been um written into uh, musical lyrics by mm, Lorena McKennett, I think it is. Uh, It's a beautiful kind of Celtic sounding song, but I think it's like a seven or eight minute song because it's, you know, such a long poem. So Mm. what is it about these shorter versions of poems that uh, really appeals to you? And do you write, you know, longer poems?
0: I have written the odd uh, longer poem, but I'm a great believer if something can be, said succinctly then that's how it should be said it when i write a poem like the one i've just read or that my poem time earlier i do feel that i've said or i have to say in that particular moment so it would be superfluous to carry on writing
1: Mm -hmm. there is something in that what you just said about keeping things succinct it's it's like um you know, capturing in the moment what it is y- your, your your what your what your mind what your body needs to put on the page, and it's nice to listen to. It's it's you know it's it's kind of got a, a little what I refer to as like the bow on the top of the present, right? It's it's uh, you can follow along with it nicely. You can get a lot out of it as you're listening to it, and then you don't feel like for me I didn't feel like I was being taken out of the moment because I was right there with you as you were reading it, which is so interesting um to me because again i i know that there's a lot of folks that that listen to whether it's poems or audiobooks and your mind tends to drift on like you know uh, your grocery list or the other things that you have to do in a day because you just sort of get kind of lulled away from the topic at hand so i appreciate um and this kind of poetry really appeals to me too to keep it kind of succinct
0: yeah, thank you
1: Um, Can we talk a bit about your process, Kevin? Because I'm curious, you know, you said, you know, with Rain, you, you were inspired by it and you sat down at your computer and just your, your fingers went at it. Um, Is there a more involved process for you in terms of this writing? Like, do you, do you wait for something to inspire you or do you actively sit down and think, hmm, I'm gonna, you know, spend the next couple hours and just write some stuff out? I'm, I'm curious about the process.
0: It's a bit of both in many instances. It is a inspiration, but I also do sit down at times and think I'm going to write a, a poem. And often those are the more humorous ones because I like playing with words. I'm a great admirer of Edward Lear, so I like to play with words and make people smile in the hope that a poem I've written that makes me smile will hopefully make other people smile. Mm-hmm.
1: Is it always about making somebody smile or can we be making people frown or fret or contemplate?
0: Indeed, I I can. I mean, I hope that uh, the two poems I've read have that effect on my readers. I, I, I don't regard either of them as particularly sad or mournful poems, although I can understand why some people might, because they both touch on mortality. I see them more... There's poems that make people aware of the human condition that there's there's particularly with rain, there's beauty in this world, but it it passes that the rain will continue, but we'll move on. But listening to the rain is very calming or it what it still is to me, it's one of my favorite things. Not getting drenched in the skin, but listening to the rain inside.
1: I have, I was gonna say it's one of my favorite sounds. Um, is listening to the rain, and where I live in in Vancouver, Canada, it is a rainforest. So, you know, if I need to sleep, I want to listen to the rain. If I, you know, I, I rain and rain and I are friends um, because it's an active part of just about my day to day experience here in Vancouver. So, I very much appreciate the appreciated the poem rain because uh, it made me feel like I was connected to where I am currently.
0: That's great.
1: When it comes to titling your poems, Kevin, because, you know, time and rain, both just simple. Is there anything more to... I, I guess I'm wondering if you, you think... Some some writers of, poem, of poetry, some writers of novels, put great, like, effort and um, strife almost sometimes into coming up with what they think is the perfect title. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are around how things are titled.
0: The thing that I find is irritating sometimes when when you go through a blog for example and you find a lot of untitled poems and I can understand that someone may not have thought of a title at that time but it's very uh, it, it does <laughs> niggle me yeah. occasionally uh, I I think it's a very personal thing sometimes I might write a title and then later think oh that's not quite right but i think the simpler the title the better on the whole if a title goes on for several lines it it generally i don't think has the same impact as a shorter title
1: yeah and i you know when i think back about these two pieces that you read time and rain what more actually needs to be said in terms of a title do you know what i mean like it's you know i suppose you could have titled time something like Death comes to us all, or I don't know, right? Like you could have made it very long and and drawn out, but there is something that is almost poetic itself about the simpler the better.
0: Yes, that, that's certainly my fault.
1: And I suppose from even just an access perspective, you know, if you're you're this I, I agree with you about the untitled poem and I and I get it, but I also think that when I'm scrolling through like a website or a blog, like you said, and I want to find something quickly and I'm using my screen reader, it's impossible to find stuff when it, everything's just listed as untitled because you don't, <laughs> you don't. Yeah, it's like, if, I, if I'm going to go visit you on the web, I kind of want to be like, oh, remind me of that poem. What, I have to sort through all the air quotes untitled stuff before I find, so I also appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> have you got a place, Kevin, where where these poems are being published? Are they in a book somewhere or an audio book?
0: The, the, the two poems I read are taken from my selected poems, which is on uh, Amazon in both uh, Kindle and in paperback formats. It was actually the selected poems was written in 20, compiled in 2019. So I've written a number of uh, poems since then. And at some point in the the future, I will be revising this to include more poems.
1: Was, was that a difficult process to try and get something on, on Kindle and Amazon? Or, or I, I, I'm always curious about that because there's a ton of folks I know in the blind community and the disability community who are interested in self-publishing. Was that process challenging for you?
0: I did have a sighted friend who uh, helped me do it. I do know of other blind people, though, who have done it for themselves. And maybe if I had more patience, I would have done it uh, for myself, but as it, as it, as it is, I I get get cited assistance in terms of uploading, and I do pay to have my poems proofread. I don't allow anyone to change wording, but just to check the layout is uh, okay, etc.
1: Right, right, yeah, that's important for folks who are well. Often it's important to cited folks who might be reading it um, with their own eyeballs. <laughs> um, yeah. This is so wonderful, Kevin. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your poem today. And I, oh, oh, Kevin, I hear that sound. (laughs) So we're gonna, we're gonna interrupt this conversation to bring you the mixed bag. So this is three questions, 25 seconds. First thing that comes to mind when I ask these questions of you. So Kevin, are you ready to play the mixed bag?
0: Yes. Okay,
1: here we go. And hopefully these aren't too painful, They're not written in poetry, though. I should have been better prepared. (laughs) Okay. First question is, if you could have any animal as a pet, what would it be?
0: A dog. I've always loved dogs. And I have a guide dog who I don't want to do without.
1: Ah, okay. Gosh, I was hoping you'd say something like, I don't know, a water buffalo. (laughs)
0: An alligator.
1: An <laughs> alligator. I love it. Um, we just got to keep the alligator and the dog in separate locations of the home um, because we don't want the alligator to um, eat the dog.
0: Um,
1: okay. I love that answer. Um, okay. Second question, Kevin, is what's your favorite ice cream flavor?
0: I think chocolate.
1: Chocolate. Anything in the chocolate? Brownies, score bits.
0: I think uh like the sort of chocolate you get round a chocolate that's delicious.
1: Ah, so you're a you're a purist, chocolate purist. Indeed. I love it. If it was me, I would probably say either mint chocolate chip, which I have a fondness of, or um, there's a new place just down by my house that makes frozen yogurts, um, all sort of organic uh no, you know, fillers, and they have a beautiful raspberry frozen yogurt Um, so a little bit of fruit flavored in the summertime is kind of nice um okay i got one more question for you kevin which is what is your least favorite household chore
0: washing dirty dishes i should have washed the night before and they've become (laughs) all congealed
1: uh, this is why I love the mixed bag so much. You get <laughs> stuff just like that. Um, I must admit that in my kitchen, I also may have a cup or two that uh, are sitting in there from the night, maybe even two nights before. Um, <laughs> but it seems like a waste of water to do one dish at a time. I don't have the privilege of a dishwasher. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Kevin, so much for sharing your poetry. Where can folks find you on the WWW?
0: I have a website at KevinMorrisPoet.com. So that's K-E-V-I-N-M-O-R-R-I-S-Poet.com.
1: Awesome. Uh, So thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us on Accessing Art with Amy. You're welcome. Before we let you go, here's the quote of the day by F. Sonil Jose. Poetry is emotion, passion, love, grief, everything that is human. Thanks for listening to Accessing Art with Amy. This podcast is produced by me, Amy Amanti. Technical production by Sam Robinson and technical assistance from Jacob Shemansky. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. If you'd like to reach out to the program, you can do so by email at feedback at ami.ca or by telephone at 1-866-509-4545. Thanks again to my guest today, Kevin Morris. Keep exploring, see you next time.